You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 18, Episode 34. This is Writing Excuses. 17 years of foreshadowing. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Dong Wan. I'm Aaron. And I'm Howard. 
17 years of foreshadowing. In the previous episode, we talked about uh, me ramping up to the finale of Schlock Mercenary and the, uh, uh, I think it was Mary Robinette asked the question, when did you know, when did you know what the ending was going to be? Um, when did you know you were going to have a big ending? Um, and there are, there's, there's 17 years of foreshadowing going into the final three years of Schlock Mercenary, because even though I didn't know where I was going at the very beginning, um, I managed to make the early stuff work. And that's part of what we want to talk about today is how to uh, how to take what you're writing and 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 lay lay good foreshadowing at the very beginning, um, how to look back at what you've done and edit so that there's good foreshadowing in it. And when, like perhaps a web cartoonist, uh, you don't have the luxury to go back and edit and put in the foreshadowing, you can make what you've already written work. So, uh, I'm going to pose this to our, uh, uh, to our august body of, of hosts. Um, what are your favorite foreshadowing tools? How do, you, how do you like to do it? My favorite stuff is actually using things that are already on the table. Um, I, I very rarely will be writing and think, mm, I need to put this in because I'm going to use it later. Let me foreshadow this plan that I'm going to do. Um, I'm much more likely to hit a point where I need to use something and, you know, and then look back at stuff that I've already laid down, grab one of those things, and then go back and heighten it or tweak it and maybe put it in one additional place. Um, The closest I've come to really, it's probably not true, but the closest that I can think of that I've come to doing additional, intentional foreshadowing um, in the glamorous histories, I was like, and then Jane uses, and I said bracket, I was like, and then Jane, and I said bracket, uh, uses a technique of glamour that is going to become very important and plot specific later. (laughs) 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 And then uh, when I got to that point where I knew what that thing was, I came back and dropped it. Mm -hmm. I'd say I'm a pretty, like, instinctive, you know, whatever you call that type of writer these days, pantser or gardener or what have you. Uh, And so for me, a lot of times it's figuring out what have I, what has my subconscious already done similarly, Mm -hmm. and then make it conscious. Take the things that I'm doing unintentionally and make them intentional. Um, There's a story that I'm working on now that involves rhyming in it, um, which I promise is better than it sounds. And I realized that the rhymes were happening at random times in the story. And I thought, well, what if they happened at moments, at specific types of emotional moments? So I wanted to have these rhymes in the story, but could they be doing more? And then that way, when you see the rhyme the fifth or sixth time, even if you don't notice it on some level, you're going to see like that means that there's been a ramp up of emotion. So it's less a plot foreshadowing than an emotional one. Oh, wow. But it's because I'm like, OK, if I'm mm-hmm. going to do this thing, I might as well do it on purpose. I love that kind of micro micro structuring. Absolutely love it. And in uh, in the the mixed mediums, you know, cartooning is words plus pictures. Um, there's there's even more of it available the fact that 
you can cant the camera, uh, you know, a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right. Mm-hmm. And if when a particular speaker is is on, you always skew the camera just a little bit in one direction. Uh, doesn't have to be much, you know, five or six degrees is enough. Uh, the reader probably won't notice, but the reader's subconscious is going to be on board with there's something about this character that's that's weird that's that's tilted and the rhyming um a purely prose version that's neat the the other thing that i will sometimes do i I said that i i rarely do foreshadowing intentionally is that sometimes i will when i'm writing mystery stuff um i will foreshadow as a way of laying down a red herring because I want the reader to spot it and go, oh, oh, she's foreshadowing something that's coming up. And then I don't use it. Um, like it's deliberately putting the gun mm-hmm. on the mantle with no intention of using it. So I will do I will do that sometimes because I, when I am reading and I spot something where the the author has put something in and it's very it's very clearly foreshadowing, it it can often make me frustrated because um because i can it, it reminds me that i'm reading in yeah. some ways mm-hmm. it it can knock you out of the story yeah. because you see you start seeing the narrative scaffolding and you're not supposed to see the scaffolding you're supposed to live in the house one thing i find really interesting about foreshadowing is to me it's a received action mm. so you know someone has to pick up what you are putting down um and so like sometimes you think you have put so much scaffolding you're like how could anyone you know not notice it and people will read it and be like i did not notice that that one comma there was doing all the work that you thought it was doing because you understand the entire story so one thing that i find really fun to do about foreshadowing is to do it and then give the story to someone and say like, what did you actually get? And then adjust from there. And I find personally that I read more into things like as a reader, I tend to take the tiniest things and think that they're foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. And so I write that way. And it turns out that sometimes I actually need to hit a point harder than I think I needed to. So sometimes what I do is just go back and take a moment that I'm like, this was the teeniest bit of foreshadowing. And then like, shine more of a light on it because to me it was big, but to the other people, it was small. It sort of feels like when you have a crush on someone and everything they do, you think it's really momentous, but they're not noticing because it's all in your head. It's the writing version of that. I've been having this problem a lot, not necessarily the crush part, but I've been having this problem (laughs) a lot in general, which is I've been doing a lot of uh, TTRPG GMing. So I've been running D&D campaigns, things like that. And I keep doing this thing where when you're starting a campaign, all you're doing is foreshadowing. You're just laying out a huge buffet of plot hooks, really, which will be foreshadowing things later. And then my players keep looking at me being like, we don't know what we're supposed to do now. And so I think I'm having that thing of sometimes you really need to hang a lantern in a way that feels very obvious to you, the writer, that won't necessarily feel as obvious to the reader because they're being presented with so much information, right? So putting your finger on the scale to make sure that this thing is highlighted in a certain way is such a challenge to sort of put yourself in the audience's shoes. They're set up to receive that. Um, yeah, and I think it's, it is it is that making sure that they notice it, but but walking the line between noticing it and being predictable. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and I think one of the things that, that happens to, to the creator is that, that the reason it's 
Like, but it's so obvious is because you, you know the end. You know, you know all of the intentionality behind it, and the the reader does not. Well, this is where you can hook into pattern recognition in mm-hmm. your readers in a really useful way. And this is kind of what Aaron was talking about a little bit. And just, you can set up these rhyming structures because we've seen heist movies before. So we know when you're going to show the vault in a certain way, we have certain expectations of where that story is going to go. You can leverage those story beats, those tropes, whatever you want to call them, in a way that helps you emphasize the foreshadowing that you want. And then you can either subvert our expectations in terms of the red herring that uh, Mary Robinette was talking about, or you can fulfill them in satisfying ways. And then that'll feel when the reader gets there to be like, oh, they were telling me about this 50 pages ago. That's so satisfying, right? And so I think a lot of when you're starting a story, when you're in those early stages, and maybe you do or don't know where you want to go, but a lot of what you want to start doing is start laying out those early parts of different story patterns and then figure out which ones you want to conclude and pick up on and which ones you want to like close the doors on as you go, right? So for me, sometimes thinking about those like little micro arcs of like a character arc or a plot arc can be really helpful in setting reader expectations and sort of priming the pump for them to uh, get interested in what the, you know, eventual foreshadowing is going to result in. Well, and the foreshadowing has to has to lead to a reveal, and we will get to that reveal after our thing of the week. Hey, writers. Are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users in 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? 
Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket. Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. I want to tell you about Babel by R.F. Kuang. Um, this book just blew me away. And one of the—I listened to it in audio. Um, I highly recommend the uh, the audio edition, which is narrated by Chris Lucum Hoy and Billy Fulford Brown, it is a story of a group of young students in Victorian Oxford who are translation students. It's a story about colonialism. It's a story about patriarchy. It's a story about friendship and found family. Um, and the the magic system is so exciting because the the power of magic comes in the tension between words that cannot be translated into another language, or, or they can be translated, but that the process of translating, you lose some essential meaning of that. And it's, it's just really, really delicious. One of the reasons I wanted to highlight it for you is that she does this beautiful thing where it's this group of friends and the way they interact and behave with each other in the beginning when everything is going well foreshadows the way they are going to interact and behave with each other when things go poorly at the end. And it's, it's just, it's lovely because it sets up an inevitability and, and also is not predictable because you, you are hoping that things will go a different way. And it's a, it's a beautiful book. One of the reasons I recommend the narration, uh, the audiobook in particular is because you get, uh, there are footnotes which are part of the structure of the book. Uh, but the footnotes are read by native speakers of the languages so you can hear how the words are actually intended to be said. So that's Babel by R.F. Kuang. When I was 10 years old, I found a mystery novel and I started reading it and immediately realized 
there was highlighting and handwriting all over these pages. And I asked my dad what was going on. And he said, oh, that's one of, that, that's one of the books that grandpa read. It's like, why did he write in the book? He said, well, your grandfather loved reading these mystery novels. And every time he saw something that was a clue, he would write notes about it. He would highlight it. He would highlight it because he wanted to be able to solve the mystery before the detective did. And so he was putting in this conscious effort. Um, I want to go on the record right now and say that is not how my foreshadowing works. <laughs> I write I write to the reveal. I don't write to you figuring out the reveal. I write to the reveal so that when a thing happens, you look at it and you say, "Oh, of course that's what happened because there was this bit of there was this bit of foreshadowing." But and to use a silly example, you know, if the if the camera has panned across gasoline dripping from the bottom of the automobile, then, well, there's going to be an explosion. And when you get the explosion, you're like, oh, oh, because there was gasoline and, and whatever. But there could also be no explosion because someone grabbed a fire extinguisher. You know, it's whatever the reveal is, I want to have the pieces in place so that it feels justified. Um, one of the only places I can remember consciously planning ahead for a big foreshadow was, and I think it was in book 15 or book 16, um, I had one of the characters talking about Fermi's paradox. And, you know, in a galactic society where there's, you know, the aliens have been around us for a thousand years, um, what does Fermi's paradox even mean? Why is it even important? Uh, and the answer is, well, um, galactic society should be a lot older. You know, this galactic society is only about forty or 50,000 years old. Were there other ones? What is happening? What is going on here? And having one character puzzling over that and other people brushing it off made for good comedy, but it also let me come around to, towards the end of Schlock Mercenary, uh, coming up with my answer to Fermi's paradox, um, as a way to help drive the end of the story. So you could have a plot load-bearing so academic conference. Have, exactly. <laughs> ex exactly. So as, as you were talking, it, as we've all been talking, it's actually occurred to me that, uh, that we may be having some listeners out there going, oh, I'm not doing any of this. So let me ask you a question. Do you have to put foreshadowing in, 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 in your work? And, and then that leads to the follow-up question of what does foreshadowing actually do for us? I'm going to say that, no, you don't have to do it in a conscious and deliberate way. But there is one aspect of this I want to touch on that we haven't talked about much up until this point, which is one of my favorite modes of storytelling is what I think of as character as destiny. Hmm. Where, I mean, this is, uh, I, this is, Game of Thrones is very famous for this. Uh, Fonda Lee's books do this incredibly well. You know, there's there's a mode of storytelling that's very much about the plot is going to derive from foibles or characteristics or essential aspects of who your characters are and then how they're going to interact with each other, right? Cersei wants, loves her children, loves her family, and therefore will do anything to defend them past the point of reason, right? We know this fact about her. So that is a form of foreshadowing in certain ways for later events when she becomes completely unhinged, right? Over the spoilers, I guess, deaths of her children, right? Um, and 
you know, those little things that characterize destiny can operate as a form of foreshadowing. So I guess my answer to your question is, no, you don't have to have it explicitly in there in the way that we've been talking about in terms of like certain plot hooks or setting up certain plot beats later, but it will always kind of be there if you've written your characters well, because your people, your characters will make decisions that should make sense to the reader. And therefore we will always have a certain satisfaction when they make choices that are true to the characters that we've met so far. And that is in itself its own form of foreshadowing. Yeah, I think a lot of times we think of foreshadowing as such a plot-specific thing. Like, it's like a plot thing you need to do. But I actually think that all, I agree, like, foreshadowing is kind of sense-making. And, you know, you help people make sense of the story. Mm. And sometimes you do that in a plot way. And sometimes you do that in a world-building way. Like, there is world-building foreshadowing where in order for a thing to exist in your world at the end, it's probably good for people to understand that it is like, that there is something of that in the world earlier on. Otherwise, it feels like a deus ex machina where it's like, and then there were spaceships and you're like, I thought we were in Lord of the Rings. So that was surprising to me. You need to somehow, you know, maybe there's wreckage of mechanics that people find along the way and Mm -hmm. that's a foreshadowing of its own. Um, But I really think that foreshadowing can be, can I think lead people sometimes to put too much of it in the plot and not enough in other places. Because one of the things I sometimes find myself doing in stories is like, I figured out how to make the plot make sense, but now the characters don't feel like they're in that plot. The characters are kind of just being dragged along by it. They're doing things to foreshadow the action, but their behavior hasn't been foreshadowed. It doesn't seem true to the character. And so I would sort of challenge folks to look for ways in which your story makes sense on every level, character, theme, world, as you move along, and not just think of foreshadowing as something that needs to move the action. For the discovery writer, it's useful to point out that at some level, foreshadowing is the inevitable outgrowth of the syntax of a narrative. If you have a narrative in which things happen one after the other, you can look at the things that happened earlier and they are foreshadowing for the things that happened later. Mm -hmm. At some level, that's all foreshadowing is. The larger foreshadowing, the example I gave of Fermi's paradox, that's the case where I'm now working to an outline and I want to have something big happen and I want it to be big and satisfying. And so I have to do some some advanced planning. But if you're discovery writing, you can probably read back through your manuscript and find foreshadowing everywhere because natural growth of the syntax of the narrative. And I actually think humans are natural foreshadowers, but we do it in asides. When you're telling a friend a story about something that's happened to you, you will often pause midway through the story and go, okay, but to understand why I hate my boss, you really got to think about like that time she broke the copier on purpose and I've never forgiven her. Do you know what I mean? We, We naturally foreshadow. We just don't do it in a very like, artful way because (laughs) we just stop and go like, now you need to know this thing. And so sometimes I find that if you actually uh, talk about your story to other people, you will find yourself explaining the story that you've been (laughs) writing and then you'll stop and you'll be like, oh wait, the thing I didn't explain is X. And that's the thing that is really important to foreshadow. So by, by doing it like artlessly, like to a friend over a drink, over a coffee, you can actually figure out what you need to do more artfully on the page. I would argue that one of the best storytelling podcasts that's out there right now is a podcast that's very popular called Normal Gossip, 
which is people telling gossip stories to each other about normal people. It's not gossip about celebrities, it's gossip about somebody you know. It is the single most funny thing I've ever listened to in my life. But also, it's so useful because of exactly the stuff that you're talking about, where each story has to be so beautifully structured and crafted to get the right feeling and rhythm of storytelling out. And, um, you know, I love this idea of that's of we're always naturally foreshadowing because you want to communicate mm-hmm. to the person you're talking to, what kind of story are we in? Is this funny? Is this sad? You know, how is this character relevant? What kind of, and, you know, so often it's like, well, I know that person's going to make some chaotic choices because you're telling me a story about them, right? Otherwise, this isn't going to resolve in a normal, ordinary way. We all know it's going to get crazy from here. So I think that's part of the joy of a certain kind of storytelling. And so just by the fact that you are telling a story, you are foreshadowing certain kind of elements, certain kind of plot beats. And so in some ways, when we talk about foreshadowing as an official technique, it really is just turning the dial up a little bit on some of those features. It's intentionally ratcheting up what are already natural storytelling patterns that we all have and that you're already doing if you're writing anything. When the next door neighbor's gas grill explodes and somebody says, you know, this reminds me of a story. We are all paying attention yep. because contextually you've just foreshadowed something that, uh, that I'm on board for. Um, I want to, I, I want to start this, uh, this last little bit by saying, uh, we're probably familiar with Chekhov's gun. Mm-hmm. Um, I had people accuse me of, uh, you know, Chekhov's gun, Howard Schlock mercenary. There are so many mantles and so many guns and so many. Uh, we just expect, we just expect there to be gunfire all over throughout the ending. Um, and yeah, for my own part, I, I, I had lots and lots and lots of throwaway gags that I knew I could return to if I needed them in order to make something feel like it was inevitable. Um, I have homework for you. Uh, last week's homework, take some, take one of your favorite things and write a new ending. Uh, homework this week, take a throwaway gag from one of your favorite things. Something that was only a plot point in one episode or in one book or in one scene and write, outline a scene in which that turns out to have been foreshadowing for something of huge dramatic import. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. This episode is made possible by our incredible Patreon supporters. To support this podcast and get exclusive access to Q&As, live streams, and bonus content, visit the link in our show notes or go to patreon.com slash writing excuses. Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. For this episode, your hosts were Mary Robinette Kowal, Dong Wan Song, Aaron Roberts, and Howard Taylor. This episode was engineered by Marshall Carr Jr., mastered by Alex Jackson, and produced by Emma Reynolds. For more information, visit writingexcuses.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.